Hey friends, welcome back to the journal feed. My name is Nick Zelt, and this is the only place to get spoon-fed the latest and greatest of emergency medicine. So we are here to keep you up on the literature, and just to make that easy for you, we spoon-feed it to you. And here's a quick look ahead at everything that we'll be covering from this week. Masks don't work, so says Cochrane. Then more pocus, more pocus, uh, helping with tricky sick patients. After that, continuing compressions is important. Should we even pause it for intubation? Debatable. Then eCPR continues to underperform a little bit. Sorry. And finally, we know about RSV in kids, but what about adults? If you are hearing this right now, then you are not currently a Journal Feed subscriber, and so you will not be receiving the full Journal Feed podcast, only getting a portion of the past week's summaries. Don't worry, all the articles are great, but if you would like to get full access to both the podcast and the blog, then you will have to become a member. All the details for that are at journalfeed.org. And remember, we don't ever want money to be a barrier to patient care, so if you're having any trouble affording a subscription, please get in touch and we'll help you out. This is the audio version of the past week summaries, which this week were brought to you by our authors, Seth Walsh-Blackmore, Megan Hilbert, Stephen Moen, Catherine Solkowski, Vivian Lay, and Clay Smith. So without further ado, I bring you the first article titled Physical Interventions to Interrupt or Reduce the Spread of Respiratory Viruses from Cochrane Database Systematic Reviews. So many interventions, they feel right. They feel like they ought to work. But if that was enough to prove efficacy, then we just, we wouldn't even need science. There are lots of things that sound like a good idea, but don't have a measurable effect. Preparation protocols for iodine reactions, they sound like a nice idea, but there's no actual reason to think that they would be doing anything beneficial, and they don't work, by the way. Rectal exams for cataquina, steroids for anaphylaxis, blood pressure in both arms, the list goes on and on. Most of these things not so effective. But how about physical barriers, i.e. masks, to prevent acute respiratory illnesses? Before we use resources, both money and taking into account the environmental consequences of making all of these masks and then people throwing them on the ground, just to ensure that the bottom half of every healthcare worker's face is covered, how about a thorough look at the evidence? Enter Cochrane. Stage right. This was an update to the Cochrane Review done in 2020, now including 76 RCTs, six of which were done in the COVID era. We've been a lot more interested in mask wearing since 2020. Now, the most effective intervention for preventing acute respiratory infections is hand hygiene. Overall, a risk ratio of 0.86 compared with a control group. This came along with reduced absenteeism, that is less work missed and less school missed. There wasn't a significant decrease for confirmed influenza and influenza-like illnesses for hand washing, though. Also, in case you're interested, hand sanitizer seems to be a little bit better than washing your hands with soap and water. Now, what about what I teased? What about masks? They found that surgical or procedure masks did not reduce the incidence of COVID or flu-like illnesses relative to no masks. N95s were similar. Numerically, they were both lower, with N95s being a little bit better, but statistically, they were doing no good. Now, things like surface cleaning, washing your desk, and physical distancing were also reviewed, but the data was too heterogeneous to make a real conclusion. 
They didn't include things like face shields, gowning, or gloves in this review. Okay, so Cochrane has a bit of a reputation for never finding anything to be significantly changed, but their methods are quite solid, so it's hard to complain too much that the data just doesn't bear some things out. Overall, everyone should definitely be washing their hands. For us hospital folk, there is evidence that gloves and hand washing are equivalent, and doing both isn't superior per se, but I'd say it's pretty easy for us to do all of that, and it's nice to have a little bit of redundancy built in, so I'm fine with at least my hospital's policy to continue to both wash your hands and put on gloves. As for masks, community use of masks doesn't seem to be much use per se. But in hospitals, I mean, the setting, it's really everything. When working with high-risk patients and then considering near-perfect compliance in those circumstances, well, I don't think that that's well represented in these studies. Hospital use of masks, it still seems prudent to me, though I'll admit it might not be doing as much as we'd like it to be. In a spoonful, wash your hands and probably, you know, don't touch your face, but Cochrane didn't comment on face touching. This large review did not show additional benefit to mask wearing to prevent viral respiratory illnesses. And then we jump over to the third article, titled First Attempt Success with Continued versus Paused Chest Compressions During Cardiac Arrest in the Emergency Department out of the journal Resuscitation. Now, the evidence behind securing the airway during a cardiac arrest, eh, it's a little bit shoddy, actually. But the culture seems to typically be that after arrival to the hospital, the patient will be intubated during ACLS. However, this should not necessarily be your priority. CPR, shocks, and reversing any identifiable causes should be your priorities, not necessarily securing the airway. Now, this study was a retrospective trial from a large academic center that included 169 patients for analysis over a five-year period. 143 intubations were attempted during continuous compressions, CPR, with an 87% first attempt success rate, which was actually higher than when compressions were paused, only 65%. Now, it sounds to me like the pressure of trying to get the airway within the 10-second rhythm check-pause time frame, it's too much. You're better off just doing the job right and taking your time and doing it while compressions are ongoing. Now, patients receive compressions manually or with mechanical devices, and there was not a significant difference between those two groups. Most of the intubations were actually performed by fairly senior people, third-year residents, or attendings, and 90% of the intubations were done with video laryngoscopes. Now, I would have thought or hoped that intubating without pausing chest compressions would be faster. But the times to first intubation success were similar, 48 and 43 seconds. Which might actually be bad if I think about it, because... While sure, you can try to pause compressions to intubate, you should be doing that at the first rhythm check if you want it done quickly and not just any time. I'd want the time to be at around two minutes when that first rhythm check is in the real world, because we don't have much reason to think that intubation really benefits our patients all that much over, say, bagging them, but it certainly could do harm. Now, in the majority of cases, if the first attempt was not successful, then the subsequent attempts were still done while compressions were ongoing. And I love the sound of that. Sounds like even the providers who were doing this, when they failed, they didn't feel that compressions were the reason that they failed their first attempt. So really, guys, knowing that's actually kind of hard to make a case 
for intubation at all when you could just throw in a supraglottic airway, then compressions should not be stopped to put in a tube. And it also doesn't seem like it's making it harder, at least not from the data in this study. I mean, personally, I actually tubed someone just the other day while compressions were ongoing on the cath table because they coded during cath, and I really find the movement to be fairly minimal in terms of the airway when you're trying to intubate. That's not the problem. That's not what gets in the way during a decent intubation. Though, since this is retrospective, it could be that the patients with harder airways are the ones for which compressions were paused. That would be confounding. It definitely depends on the practice and the kind of norms at your site. I tend to see compression stopped for intubation. But now that I think about this, and I've thought about this before, but I'm really on the side now, I think I'll just give instructions to take the airway whenever ready, and not necessarily want to pause, or wait for a rhythm check even. In a spoonful, this is retrospective, it's definitely not definitive but it's evidence to support not stopping chest compressions when you're going to intubate. Okay guys, let's wrap up. That's all we have from this week. So what did we learn? From the first article, dressing up as mask crusaders might be fun. If you do it with procedural masks and N95s though, it doesn't seem to reduce the rates of clinical acute respiratory illnesses. Hand washing though, that does help. From the third article, is it easier to intubate during compressions? Probably not, but maybe the stress of doing it while compressions are paused because you've got to do it quickly, maybe that makes it harder. Either way, you probably shouldn't be stopping compressions to secure an airway. Links to all the articles summarized can be found at journalfeed.org, where the newsletter is the best way to make the podcast into a bite-sized nugget of spaced repetition. Now, if you feel like you're missing out a little bit, you'd like to hear more podcasts, you'd like to read from the blog, well, then you'll have to join us in the members feed. Our goal here is for you to read less, learn more, and then hopefully save lives. One spoonful at a time. Thank you.